Welcome everyone to On Purpose. I'm Janice Alpert, where we talk about how we find our purpose and live it with purpose and on purpose. Of course, I'm excited about all my guests, but today we're going to be interviewing Holly Katz as she tells us about how she got to where she is right at this moment. Hi, Holly. Hi, Janice. How are you? you? Good. How are you doing? Good. Good to see you and talk to you. So why don't we just start off by you telling us a little bit about your growing up and a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago in a very idyllic suburb, though inside my house, not so idyllic, kind mm-hmm. of the opposite. Mm-hmm. It was pretty abusive. But luckily for me, I had a couple of things that kind of helped me get through. One was sports, which I was good at and I loved. Mm-hmm. And also I was good at school. And so between those two things, you know, I was able to make it through kind of a, a tough background in terms of my house ultimately continued to play sports and played on scholarship at University of Wisconsin. So I spent pretty much my whole youth and early 20s competing at a very high level in tennis. Did you play with anyone famous? I did. (laughs) Who'd you play with? I grew up because Andrea Yeager, who came in, she was fourth in the world at one point many years ago. Oh, I know her. Um, Yep. She grew up in the same suburb as me. So wow. um, In Chicago at the time, tennis was very competitive and her and her sister were in the same groups I was in because all the kids who played the circuit played together. Mm -hmm. And I, because I competed at that level, I I came across a lot of girls who went pro. And so um, it was, it was an interesting experience and it was great for me at times and just terrible for me at times. So it gave me a really good understanding of what it's like to be in the zone Mm -hmm. when you perform at a high level and also what it feels like to choke. Mm-hmm. I know both feelings very well. So <laughs> well, both have prepared me to do what I do now, which is I help both athletes and in general adults, teen athletes and adults in general, kind of perform at their peak, really understand and see their strengths and value themselves from the inside out. And a lot of times athletes have trouble with that because they value themselves from the outside in Mm -hmm. and it's how they, it's what they, you know, it's their results, not who they are on the inside that gets in that type Mm -hmm. of pressure gets in their way. Hey, we're just coming off of the Simone Biles where she had to pull out and it had to do with her, her mental health. So yeah, but I just want, I would just want to go back. So yeah, just in terms of, you know, your childhood. So was your family involved with sports? Where did you have siblings and were they involved with Um, sports? Sure. I have a, an older brother and an older sister, neither involved in sports. My parents were into tennis, so they pushed me oh, um, okay. kind of into tennis. And I played all sports until high school, and then, then I focused on tennis. And it was, good, it was a good choice. It's a good sport for women. Mm-hmm. But, um, it, and did you love uh, it right from the beginning, or did you have mixed just, feelings, or what was your... I loved sports. Tennis was tough. I I loved it, but I also had mixed feelings that, you know, like many competitive sports these days, Mm -hmm. even back then, the coaches were pretty intense and um, cruel in a way. And so, um, and it's, it's a lot of pressure to compete. Mm -hmm. And so I, I really learned so much from it, but Mm -hmm. I also um, had mixed feelings at times, but Mm -hmm. I'm glad I did it overall. Okay. If I may ask cruel in what way? cruel in some of their comments to people. Do you have like an example? Just, I'm, um, just in case there are listeners out there that hopefully they know they're not alone. 
that this I even mean, happened back to you when you were a teenager? Sure. I mean, they made comments about women's bodies. Oh. They would, um, you know, which is part of getting in shape. They'd make you run till you threw up. And oh, um, oh. that's would they sports, make though. And they, would they make comments on, cause you're a female, like about your body weight. I mean, like, did they make you yeah, weight? They make comments about weight. They make, oh. kind of, it was kind That's of gross. Horrible. I didn't know it at the time though. I didn't really realize what was going on at the time. Now looking back, I do. Yeah. But, but I'm, uh, from what you're saying, I'm sure a lot of female athletes, even now, if they're tennis oh, or ice skaters, cause this is kind of, you know, what you, by the way, Holly is also a psychotherapist and has a, a, a practice, but I, I want to get back to how she got there. Cause that's not where she started. Okay. So for you though, sports, you were good at it. Um, you ended up being able to get a scholarship. You weren't totally aware that like how these coaches were talking to you were, was like really not kind of. No. okay. No, I wasn't. And, you know, I have to say sports, you know, when I started to really move up in the rankings, it's because I read this book called inner game of tennis which helps you. It's really, it's a spiritual book. Actually, it helps. It's mindfulness and it helps you kind of quiet the critical voice in your head. And it, it was, it almost, it was, it felt like my, I was aligned and that was a great feeling for me. So what's the name of this book? Sounds like a book anybody could read. Yeah, it is. It's called the inner game of tennis. Oh, okay. Um, It's still a classic. And so from that perspective, it really helped me overall. But then again, there was a lot of pressure to compete. When I was in college, I got injured. My coach still wanted me to play, which also isn't uncommon. Through the injury, you should play yeah. anyways. She was mad at me because she was mad at me because I didn't want to. It was oh. just, it was, it was something. Yeah. So, um, well, I know what I want to call it, but you know, I want to be professional, but it sounds like it was yeah. a, a blank show um, in many ways. Uh, yeah. So that in, in that way, if, they, if she wanted you to play and there was a lot of cruelty going on, but it was, it was, it was you know, not every coach was like that, but some, so, some were better than others and some were good coaches. So you feel you maintain some sense of self because of this book. And did you have anybody that you were friendly with that you could at least vent to like, yeah, sucks so, and- you know, I've always been pretty social and easy, have an easy time getting along with people. So I really developed a great core group of friends in high school who I'm Uh, still friends with. To this day? To this day. That always helps. They're really terrific. And I'm grateful to have had them throughout my life. So they helped me. And Mm -hmm. I called my one friend almost every day from college, which back in the day cost a lot of money. Oh, yes. You had to pay the long distance (laughs) fees. I remember that well. My father was very like, don't call us too often. That's long distance. Yes. (laughs) So. That's my athletic story as mm-hmm. sports was a great way. And also the other good thing about it is it helped me channel frustration. I felt from home mm-hmm. into um, a physical, physical uh, outlet, right. which was actually very helpful for mm-hmm. me. So if you kind of get it out of your body, because I'm guessing yeah. if your home life was, you know, kind of abusive, you're yeah. not going to start yelling at your parents. That's only going to increase the whatever fallout. So you had to right. find another way. So if you smack that tennis ball, or whatever, you could get some of that out. Great. It was great. Mm -hmm. And uh, after college, I was kind of at a loss because I spent the last 10 years of my life pretty Mm -hmm. much focusing on only tennis. I, you know, at Wisconsin, it can't, school was so easy for me. I didn't, Mm -hmm. I didn't even think about it. I just got through and I had a great grade point. What was your, if I may ask, what was your major? 
It was communication. So oh, okay. um, honestly, kind of an easy major. But... I was going to say a, g- a general major. Okay. But Did you was... have any thoughts in your head of what you wanted to do when you graduated or were you thinking well, you I, wanted to go um, pro or? Well, I didn't, um, I didn't think of going pro and that's a good question. I remember one person um, who I used to compete against, we were at a tournament and her mom said to me, are you going to go pro? And it's something that I had never even considered that I'd be good enough for. And I I was thinking to myself, she's crazy. I'm not good enough to go pro. And yet her daughter, who wasn't that different from me in tennis, only she probably believed in herself, which I struggled with. She did go pro. (laughs) So that's the bottom line. Because of how I was raised, I needed more belief in myself. Uh When I did the best, I had a coach who believed in me. Uh Um, And I had one year where that was the case. And when I didn't do the best because I needed validation, because I didn't get it at home, if I didn't have a good coach, it really hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, I bet. I can imagine. Yeah. So after spending all those years only focused and caring about tennis, Mm -hmm. I graduated and I didn't know what to do with myself. So um, through happenstance, I got a job at um, a bank where I was introduced to kind of the corporate world. I, they told me um, I was in a training program for college graduates who they oh. saw who, who had potential. Uh-huh. But after being in it for a while, the guy said to me, you know, because you're a woman, you don't have the right personality for the job. Oh, my God. Are you, what? Uh, right. Uh, oh. So there would be a lot of lawsuits if you pulled that now. Yeah, go ahead. They were actually sued and they did settle a class action suit. Oh, okay. Because well. it, it happened to everyone, but um no wrong. Yeah. But at the but the good thing about it was um they kind of pushed everyone to get their MBAs. So I got my MBA at Northwestern while I worked there. And then I majored in um, human resources because I knew I didn't like banking and I wanted to find a way to help people and human so there resources. was some part of you inside that felt even when you were in your twenties after this whole tennis good yeah. and bad of it that you wanted to help others. Okay. So you thought human resources might be a yeah. pathway. Okay. And I even thought that in college, I took a, but I took a psychology class and I thought it was so boring. It was all about um, monkeys and oh. it, didn't, <laughs> it just was nothing that interested me. So I didn't mm-hmm. pursue that, but after college, I wanted to find a way to connect with people and help. I didn't want to do something quantitative or um, or study Reese's monkeys. Okay. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So um, I majored in human resources. I finished at Northwestern. I got married, got a job in HR. So wait, wait. Um, so you were working full time, going to school, going to getting school. your MBA at Northwestern, right. not shabby, and then met your honey and got married. Met my honey, all, got married. Yes. All, all within a period of about five years. So oh, I'm like nervous just thinking about that. So that was a lot. Yeah. Yeah, that was. And so I spent the next um, 20 years or so, 25 years in human resources. And I had two kids in the meantime. So I worked so well. So was your first job right here in Chicago or? Um, right when we got married, we um, moved to Baltimore. Hmm. And um, that's where I actually started my HR career. Oh, okay. Um, and what and was in Baltimore? Did, did uh, my husband's have... job. Oh, okay. So after four years, we ended up moving back here, which I'm really grateful for because mm-hmm. this is where my family and friends are. And so, so in, in that period, you had two kids. Two kids. Are now adults, yeah. Both girls, but now adults. And just kind of went about my life. Forgot about tennis pretty much since 
that time, I, I rarely pick up a racket since I stopped playing. Even to um, this day, 30 years later. You, day, yeah. Because it's just not fun anymore. And every single teammate of mine from University of Wisconsin doesn't play either. So really. So it was that <laughs> traumatic. Right. Um, it was just of, that much pressure. It was like a job. Mm-hmm. So, um, and what, uh, so, but you always loved sports. So did you find something else that you love to do or did love you golf? I channeled it right into golf. Oh, so you're a golfer and now golfer and now pickleball too. Is awesome. Oh, pickleball. That's a new hot game. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it uses my tennis skills, but in a different, oh, yeah, I wouldn't want to be playing against you. If you were a top 10 player, those yeah. you're playing with your neighbors, they're in trouble. Yeah. Okay, so, so, so sports was still part of you, even though you didn't do it professionally. Definitely. You, you still were always sports was something that you always enjoyed. Okay, right. so now you're in HR. Going so I was in HR, I had the two girls, um, kind of moved up through the ranks in HR. And I ultimately, you know, by the end of my career, I was leading HR departments at companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and when my kids were kind of heading into high school and college, I, I knew it wasn't the job I wanted because what I found in HR is though I wanted to help people, I couldn't help people because, because it, there's a fiduciary responsibility to the company mm-hmm. and everything is, has to be legally kosher. And it mm-hmm. just, it's just a, it's not a good position. And for me, it wasn't mm-hmm. a good position for me. And did you feel that throughout your career? Cause you must've been making a nice living. I was, I was. So the financial part was good. Financial part was good. It was very good. Um, But inside you still weren't feeling like this is not really what I want to be doing with my life. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that feeling grew. It didn't start that way, but Mm -hmm. probably as I get, got further and further in my career, it kept growing. Mm -hmm. And I was realizing I'm not helping people actually. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I had to do the reverse. Oh, I bet you must have to fire people. Yeah. In the meantime, I had finally, you know, when my girls were little, I finally started to address some of the wounds I had from how I grew up and the Mm -hmm. abuse. And so I started to do my own healing work Mm -hmm. and realized, hey, I had this interest in psychology all along. I just never pursued it. But now I understand what therapy can do for somebody. Mm -hmm. And I think I can help other people, especially because I was doing my own healing work. And you know, found myself feeling better from it. Mm-hmm. So um, I went back to school while I was working and had my So kids. again, in school, while working yeah. full time with two preteen and teen girls, right. married. Right. And, yep. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and healing yourself as well. Healing myself. Oh my goodness. And so when you went back to school and you were going to get a master's then in in a, in a, in the counseling, I got a master's, I I was getting a master's in counseling. And then, um, you know, when I was about halfway done, my mom died and it was just too much. So I quit for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, and I stopped going to school, um, but I kept working. And then when my kids and and my husband and I are kind of equal earners. So Mm -hmm. when my kids were in high school, we went, we were getting ready to send them to college. So it was, I felt like I needed to keep working in HR because sure. it was financially a good choice. But when they um, finished college, I said, that's it. Mm-hmm. I'm done. I want to pursue something that is much more meaningful to me. Mm-hmm. And so I went back to school. I finished my master's in counseling. And as luck would have it, a friend of mine who I'd met through my career, um, at Chase Bank, she ran career services at Chase Bank, and she uh-huh. had a career consulting position for me, which was, I thought at the time, perfect blend of 
my corporate knowledge and mm-hmm. my, you know, it was a way to help people at a deeper it, level. Right. I did that for a few years and that was much improvement, but it wasn't quite right for me. Still, you could still feel inside. Mm, I'm, I'm getting there, but not there right. yet. Okay. Not there yet. And I thought to myself, I have a passion for sports, love sports, and I want to help people. And I think I can, you know, combine my backgrounds Mm-hmm. And so I started a sports performance coaching business and I started working with a lot of athletes and it was going well, but still wasn't enough for me. <laughs> and you, um, and you knew that. And what, and so had you already like completely quit HR or were you still kind of doing that or what was, um, I went back and forth with HR for a while, but I, mm-hmm. I, you know, at that point I quit HR. Okay. Um, you knew that that for sure was, even yeah. though the money was good, it wasn't feeding your soul. And yep. you had to make some changes. Continue. Had to make changes. Mm-hmm. I knew I had the ability to because I'd done so much great healing work of my own. I knew mm-hmm. I had the ability to use that to help people too because I would relate to some it, of their struggles. Sure. So, um, so I started doing sports coaching, and again, it, it filled some of what I was kind of looking for, but uh-huh. not fully. So I ended up. Um, and sports coaching I did versus therapy because in Illinois there's crazy rules and you can't do independent practice in terms of mental health counseling. You have to go through a practice to do it. So mm-hmm. I, at first I was like, I don't really want to work for somebody after working for people for all those years. For 20 odd years. Yep. But then I realized, you know what, I need to do it because that way I can do full clinical counseling, whereas I was limited before. Mm -hmm. So even, so that's something important too. So your inner voice said, I need to do something more. Then there was kind of like, ugh, I got to go work for someone else, which I don't want to do. But if I want my license and I want to broaden what I really want to do in my soul, I'm going to probably have to take some time here and do something I may not want to do totally. But it sounds like you had your eye on the ball, big picture. I want to help people in a broader way. Okay. Yeah. And you listen to that. I did. And, you know, I would could, I was in a position where I could take the financial hit at the time mm-hmm. um, to do all this change. And um, so I, I went, I joined a practice and I got my hours and I got my ability to practice as a, you know, clinical therapist mm-hmm. independently, though I'm still in a practice, which is a very nice group. So I like being part of it. Mm-hmm. But you have your license now. You, I have my license. you got enough super... You have to have a certain amount of hours um, to be supervised. So you got all that yeah. under, and yeah. then you sat for the test, and you took the test. So keep in mind why this is like so phenomenal is that all this is happening while she's already well into adulthood, changing midlife into a whole different career, working, trying to figure out the financial part, putting her girls through college, being with the husband, you know, just all of it, and trying to you know get herself established as a therapist and. Sports is still her passion. So, right. So now, so I still do a lot of sports work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just part of my clinical counseling practice. Mm-hmm. And I work with probably 30% of my practices with athletes. Um, oh. I've also worked with musicians who feel performance anxiety. I really help those mm-hmm. kids overcome performance anxiety, but really at a more deeper level. Help like such a, like what do you feel is like the deeper level when you're working with they, either athletes are, or like me they are under so much pressure to have mm-hmm. a certain outcome yeah like for example i had this one um musician i worked with who was probably one of the top 
few, very few players of this instrument. He played brass instrument in the country. Mm. And yet when he did high school um, performances, which would be so such a step down for him, mm -hmm. his hands would shake. Which, and when you're playing a brass instrument that screws you up and it, it, it yeah. was a career killer. He wanted to have a career in. Oh, he wanted to play professionally. He, his goal was to play in a military band. And oh. so, which are very competitive to get into. Oh, so okay. um, I worked for about six months with him and we talked about all sorts of techniques to manage his symptoms, none of which at the time were very effective. But when we started talking about his self-esteem and how he saw himself, Aha. that that is what turned the corner. And he was such a he is such a great kid. He keeps in touch with me. Sometimes he sends me notes thanking me. And oh, he actually is in a military band now. Um, love that story. <laughs> so he was su he is such a great kid. He has great values. He's kind. Mm -hmm. He's smart. He works hard mm -hmm. and he just didn't see himself for the truth of who he was. Oh, well, it was a lucky day. He met you, Miss Holly. Uh, <laughs> um, so as you're doing this work where you're helping athletes and, and just people in general, what are you feeling on the inside now? I feel it's my passion and my purpose. Mm -hmm. um, I love it. Mm -hmm. um, it. I know that I have so many areas I've been involved in in my life. You know, I have so much life experience through in the work world, in sports, yep. um, in my own healing, in rate and being a parent mm -hmm. that I'm really able to help people. Um, you know, my goal is to help them see who they are, which a lot of times they're really terrific people. I, I can't even think of any clients I haven't liked mm -hmm. as people. And yet they are so horrible to themselves mm -hmm. and can't and have you know, need to improve their self-esteem. Mm -hmm. And so with, whether it's with athletes, musicians, or adults, um, mm -hmm. which is what they're about now, 70% of my practice, mm -hmm. that is my passion. Mm -hmm. And I feel really strongly about it. And it, it's, it's where I should be. I feel mm -hmm. like. So you can feel that inside yourself. Yeah. So, and as, when you look back, as far as your HR stuff, I mean, there's no, you don't feel any, like you needed that stepping stone perhaps to get to where you are now, but you have no, like, oh, I could go back to corporate America. Oh, God. <laughs> look at that face. Even when I hear client stories of corporate America, I think to myself, oh, thank God, I'm not <laughs> doing that anymore. <laughs> it's really a tough life. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, so currently you know, how many hours do you feel like you're working, seeing clients? And does it feel, you know, is overwhelming? You know, do you still feel at the end of the day, even if you're seeing, I don't know what would be a lot, but you can share, you know, does it still feel like, oh, I actually touched people today? I mean, like, what, what does it feel like for you? Yeah, I work now about, I'd say generally 15 to 20 hours a week mm -hmm. clinically. And then there's a bunch of side paperwork and administrative stuff. Right. Um, and, um, it feels good. I feel mm -hmm. that, um, I'm, like I said, I really like the people I work with. I feel mm -hmm. honored to work with them. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people just need somebody to sit with them with their struggle. And I'm yeah. really good at it because mm -hmm. I know how much it helps. Mm -hmm. So exactly. So, you know, to, to know that in your own growing up in family, that not only was no one there for you, but just the opposite. And, you know, and then you meet many, many, many people throughout your life and certainly in practice. And I can say the same thing that they just have wounded souls because they've been beaten up. 
And not right. that the essence of who they are isn't good and wonderful, but they don't know it. They so, don't know it because they've never been told it. Exactly. Or, um, yeah. And so their performance or their amount of money they have or their looks or their weight becomes how they see themselves. And define themselves. Yep. And define themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that is not, that does not define a person. Mm-mm. And sometimes all of my work is helping people learn what defines them, which mm-hmm. is again, from the heart out, not from the exterior achievements in. Exactly. And so exactly. exactly. I had a very good teacher as a therapist who was my therapist. Mm-hmm. And That's good. And I'm sure your clients feel that way about, about you and what, you know, what you're doing. So you see, your, so. I'm, I'm, hundred percent confident just from how you're yeah, talking for sure. So when you think about like, you know, okay, I'm, I'm in this and I'm a little older, my kids are grown up and married and whatever. Um, how long can you see yourself doing this for a while or? Yeah, I don't see myself retiring yeah. Yeah. because I love what I do. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I know I'm making a difference and it's made me grateful for all of my experiences, even mm-hmm. the hardest ones, even mm-hmm. the times that I suffered in my family, even the times when I choked on the tennis court, I know it helps athletes because I relate to them. Mm-hmm. Even the times when I had terrible coaches, because I've heard stories of unbelievably horrible coaches that of kids who I work with. Ugh, um, it hurts my heart. So I can relate to them and they know that. Mm-hmm. And so I think it gives me some credibility with them, which I feel helps me be more effective with mm-hmm. them. Oh, such, so good. So good. So in your own relationship with yourself, you know, with all of this, you know, how, how are you feeling these days? Like in terms of that you're doing your purpose and how's it feeling for you? And I feel great. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never felt better. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, I can authentically with each client, with myself and with my friends and family mm-hmm. come from my heart out. Mm-hmm. And, I love um, that saying, by the way, from the heart out, I think that's like perfect. And I, I just made that up on the spot, but well, whatever, <laughs> I, whatever I, I concur because it, to me, it gives me a visual of really how it should be that it's from, it's from generally the inside out, but I love from the heart out makes it even that much more, uh, whatever loving. And that's really yeah. how it should be with yeah. our relationship with ourselves as well as with others. Yes. Yeah. So I seriously have never felt better. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, I'm, I feel like I'm, as I said, I, I used to feel in sports sometimes, and I still do sometimes on the golf course that I, this is what I should be doing. I feel like mm-hmm. I was meant to be mm-hmm. doing sports, but now I, I feel like I'm meant to be doing um, clinical counseling. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, we can be meant to do more than one thing in life, you know, yeah. and that you'll laugh at this quote I found for today. So of course it matches exactly what we're talking about <laughs> because I'm like a, you know, and it's psychic intuitive, you know, I'm really not, but sometimes I think I am. All right. So for someone who's listening, that's thinking, yeah, I'd like to go back to school too, but you know, I've got this problem and I've got financial commitments and I, whatever, whatever the barriers that I'm not saying aren't real, but we sometimes I think make them more, whatever word I want to use impactful or powerful than they are. Do you have any thoughts for them? If they have an inner voice that's saying, I want to help people, or I want to do something different, whatever that might be. And yeah. And they, have things, and they have things that they think are impeding them. What, any thoughts or suggestions you might have for them? What I know is if you just say it out loud. Hmm. And, um, like, what do you mean? So for example, 
at, um, the person, the woman who just won Wimbledon, Ash Barty, her name is. Okay. She, the, it was a childhood dream of hers, but she, you know, hadn't gotten there and she has a game for it. But this year, for some reason, she was able to say to her friends, you know, I really want to win Wimbledon this year. And that made all the difference. And she, she won Wimbledon. And I feel oh. like if you can, she's probably also a good tennis player, but anyway, right. she put it out there, you know, always have to do the work, but go ahead. But I she like was it. the world's number one player, but she hadn't won it. Okay. Um, and I feel like if you can just admit it to yourself, that it's something you want to do and listen okay. to your inner voice and believe in yourself or find somebody who believes in you. Mm-hmm. which I think is really important is mm-hmm. to get somebody who believes in you and you can make a long-term plan and in doing so it has two benefits. One, it gets you on the path to where you want to be. And if it's coming from your inner voice, I feel like you need to listen. And two, by doing it, it helps you feel less trapped in doing whatever it is that isn't feeling like the right path for you. Mm-hmm. So it does both and you can get there. Mm-hmm. I, I've done it myself. I changed careers when I was, you know, probably in my fifties sometimes. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so um, it, it's doable. Right. And so even because I remember from what you're just saying that you, when you first went back to school, maybe you were in your late forties, then your mom died and then you had to take a break, but it was still kind of calling to you. So right. I, I'm just curious when you went back the second time, do you remember taking like one class at a time? Cause sometimes that helps if you, or did, or. Um, I think I probably did. I, yeah. um, okay. I don't remember. I had gotten to a point where I knew I had to do it. Okay. And I could see the, the opening of daylight because my kids were finishing college and uh-huh. I just took it. And, and even then it still took time because I had to get my supervised hours. Right. right. And so that was probably a little scary, but you know, but if you're going back to, if you're listening to your inner voice and, and I love about saying it out loud. And I, I think I shared this, I think I've shared this before, but I'll just reiterate that. I love, like, if you put it on a piece of paper, you know, like a little vision thing where you say, this is what I want. And you put it by your mirror, you know, whether you're putting on your makeup or if you're a guy, you shave, whatever, and you just have it up there. I want to be a therapist or I want to be a tennis player. Or I want to be a lawyer, whatever it is, or I want to just be. I want to live on a mountain or I want to live in an ocean or whatever, put it out there. And that's just increases the chances it's going to help. You still have like, I, for me, I wanted my book published. I still had to write the book. You can't just wish it. You you sort of have to do, you know, like in, and you wanted to be a therapist. You still have to go to school to get the, right. You have to do the work. Just by putting it out there, it starts to help you believe you can do it. Totally. So you're encouraging people to take that first step and say it out loud. Anything else pop in your head? Just as I said, if you even come up with a very long-term plan, it feels freeing mm-hmm. and it's becomes more achievable. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's just really important to follow that voice because I feel like we're here for a purpose mm-hmm. and it's really important to listen to what yours might be. And it comes from an inner voice. Mm-hmm. And for me, I feel like what I do has never been more relevant because you see with Naomi Osaka and tennis and Simone Biles. Yes. That, but that sports is just um, mental health is so much more than whatever somebody does to succeed in life, you know, quote it's unquote not, succeed. Exactly. Because 
it's more important than winning a gold medal. And it's mm -hmm. more important than winning a million dollars playing tennis. You have to be okay on the inside. You're so. speaking my language, girlfriend. You know, I 100% <laughs> agree. And that's kind of how I started this whole podcast, because I think that that's the bottom line. I think that we all do have a purpose here on earth. And for each of us as unique human beings, we have an inner voice that's kind of telling us this is what we should be doing. We either listen and we're happier and more fulfilled, or we don't listen and our life feels kind of icky. So yeah. I'm, I'm here to always encourage, just as you are, to people to listen. Be still, be quiet, listen to that voice and try to follow your heart, which you did. So yeah. yay. good for you. Okay. Thanks. Good. Well, thank you so, 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 so much. This was- Thanks for having you, me. No, you have a very interesting story. Just to, you know, again, wrap up, it always comes back to, it's not that you're not going to have a stumbling block or a challenge, whatever, but if you if you are dissatisfied inside and you have another little thought that's kind of talking to you, you probably better listen to it. And it doesn't have to be your first step. It can be the second step or the third step. But you, when you're listening, you're going to do a lot better. Okay, so here's the quote that I found. I, I don't have who it's from, but here's what, I, here's what I thought would be good for today. You are probably like most people. You may have found your purpose. Well, at least you thought you did, only to realize a few years later that perhaps your purpose wasn't really your purpose after all. But that's okay because our life's purpose is not a one-shot type of thing. It's ongoing for our growth. So it's, again, it's always about giving back to others. So if at first it doesn't feel like, like, or you might think, yeah, I've always been meant to do this. And then as you go, which is, I don't know that you were really thinking HR was always your purpose, but you did think you wanted to help people. And that was one avenue mm -hmm. only to find out that, you know what, not so much. So, and it takes bravery and or courage to go ahead and say, I'm going to find this other path. So mm -hmm. thank you for sharing your story. Right. I'm glad you're living your life on your purpose with purpose. I just want to go back up and say one thing. Please. During my, during my corporate career, it wasn't all bad. I met some great people. Mm -hmm. The last CEO I worked for is a wonderful man. And I mm -hmm. feel grateful to have worked for him and we're still friends to this day. And he was mm -hmm. really supportive when I decided to make this career change. Okay. Um, so I, I wanted just to add that bit in oh. not to make it, you know, right. First so. of all, here's the thing about life in general, none of our lives are black and white. So even though there were things about tennis that were very, it sounds like hard, there were also things about tennis that were fabulous and wonderful. And I'm sure throughout your career in HR, there were things that were you know, challenging, but also things that were good, like this, you know, last, you know, um, your last right. CEO. So it, it's, it's, it's really going though, that even if when you're looking at whatever you're doing in your life and you go, well, these are all the really great things, that's good. But if inside right. it's still not feeling fulfilling, you probably right. still have to make the change. Yeah. And I'm still yeah. glad I made the change. Exactly. So. Good. Yeah. Oh, thanks for adding that on because we don't want anyone to think, well, it has to be miserable in order for us to move. You know, most of our whatever journey we're on, it's usually mixed. So, yeah. but if inside it's feeling like no, then we have to kind of, well, I believe, I encourage the listeners to try and make that shift to what they really feel like they know inside, like this is where I need to go. All right, good. Thank you so much, Holly. All right, until next time, I hope all of you out there are trying to do your best to live your life with purpose and to trying to do it on purpose. Until next time, this is Janice Alpert and have a good day. Bye.